0: episode of Midnight on Earth. I'm your host, Jake Weaver. and We're here to bring you more knowledge, more light, and more love. And today we have an amazing guest talking about one of my favorite subjects and more, which is angels. Normandy Ellis is here and she wrote this amazing book, probably one of the best books on angels I've ever read. And we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about everything. We're going to talk to her in just a second but first i need you to do something for me follow me on instagram at midnight underscore on underscore earth that is the address you can follow me there spotify apple podcast google podcast wherever you go to get your podcast click that button that connects us so you know well you know when people like normandy ellis come on the show who has written so many amazing books you get that notification. You get excited. You're like, oh my God, on your device or wherever you get that notification. And then you tap into the information instantly. And of course, tell a friend, tell someone that you know, that loves these type of podcasts, bring them here. Midnightonearth.com. Okay. So we're going to talk to Normandy in just one second, but we're going to read her bio. So here we go. In arch. Priestess of the Fellowship of Isis, Normandy Ellis, facilitates trips to Egypt, is a spiritualist minister, clairvoyant, astrologer, and teaches in the School of Metaphysics at Camp Chesterfield. Normandy's books on Egyptian myth, ritual, and magic include The Union of Isis and Toth, Imagining the World into Existence, Invoking the Scribes, Words on Water, Feasts of Light, and Dreams of Isis, and there's more. Her translation from the hieroglyphs, Awakening Osiris, is considered a spiritual classic. And in addition to her studies in Egyptian mysticism, she is a poet and fiction writer, having won awards from the YMCA Writer's Voice, the Bumbershoot Award, the Kentucky Foundation for Women, the Kentucky Arts Council, and the Colorado Arts and Humanities. She has been the recipient of fellowships from the Kentucky Foundation for Women, from the Virginia Center for Creative Arts, as well as activism grants for her work in the environment and with elder women and also youth at risk. So in addition to being a esoteric mystical goddess, she's also an incredible human at the same time. And she's here with us, Normandy Ellis. Hello. Hi,
1: thank you. That was a lot to read. (laughs) I appreciate that.
0: Well, we have to tell people about you. We have to give people the backstory so they know who we're talking with. And I'm excited you're here. So let's talk about your latest book. This book, is called The Ancient Tradition of Angels, The Power and Influence of Sacred Messengers. This is one of my favorite topics of all time. I love angels. I feel angels all the time. I've had my own personal angelic experiences, and I think that angels are with everyone. What are your thoughts on that? They're with in every religion, and it's they seem to be with every human.
1: Yes, every religion has um a relationship with angels but each individual on the planet has a relationship with angels we each have um what the uh eastern tradition calls an devata so a divine spirit that is personal to us that stays with us throughout our lifetime that follows us up into the next realm And um, stays with there until we get adjusted.
0: (laughs) And what do you think their role is on an individual's basis? Oh, what's their role on an individual basis? Yes, if we're all assigned Um, one, what is their function in our lives?
1: uh, To to keep us from uh, (laughs) messing up, I guess. They sort of will advise us to, like, I wouldn't do that if I were you. They can't stop us because we have free will. But... You know, they'll kind of make it make us aware of it. If we um, are in danger, they will intervene. Um, I once had an angel intervene when I was in an auto accident on the interstate, and and after I stopped, my head from spinning, and I stepped out of the car, there was an angel feather that fell right down beside me. It was like, okay, thank you, I appreciate it. <sighs> And and is that the
0: story you tell in your book about being uh, chased and then someone
1: warning you? Yeah, it was. Yeah. So that one was just the feather, the one that I told you just then. And that's not in the book because that was a recent one. Oh, Um, okay. Yeah. So you've had more than one one experience. Yeah. The one in the book was about when I was in Egypt and um, I was traveling alone, which is probably not a great idea for a woman to do in Egypt in the middle of the night you know but i had seen this statue it's like that's my statue i gotta go get it so i wander through the uh, you know the alleyways and the kiosks and i find my statue again and i'm ready to go back buy it i'm ready to go back to the hotel and i forget where i am i can't remember the directions i'm totally lost and i hear these footsteps following me through the streets and i cross over to another street turn the corner and they follow me, you know, and I thought, Oh boy, I'm in trouble. And um, so I was going as fast as I could. And I thought just before I gave up this carriage with a horse drawn carriage rounded the corner and there was a young man driving it and he looks right at me and he goes, lady, your hotel is that way. And so I turned the corner and I went that way one block. I was going fast right into the lobby and then i thought i didn't know that guy how did he know that was my hotel that was pretty miraculous i thought you
0: know? yeah and when i read that in the book and it's an incredible book we're going to talk about it a lot but when i read that part of your book it, it was astounding because this random manifestation this person in a carriage just happened to know where your hotel was told you to go in there knew you were in danger and by going yes. to the hotel, you were able to escape that danger. The angel, or yes, whatever it was, you say it's an angel. I, I have to believe you. Um, that angel saved your life. It's mind-blowing. So they do intervene in these crisis situations.
1: Yeah, they do. Um, they really show up for two or three reasons. One is that they'll show up to protect us, um, not necessarily when we invoke them, but um, because we can't, we can't always drive them around and say do this and do that. They're not our messengers; they're God's messengers, and so they'll come and protect us. They'll deliver us a message, like the angel that comes to deliver a message to Abraham and says, "You better get your cousin Lot out of Sodom, or you'll be in trouble." You know, um, and he ate like a man and acted like a man, and you know they just thought he was a human visitor but it turned out that he was an angel. Um, Some of the angels are just beings of light. You know, they're like wheels inside of wheels and they're geometric shapes. And, oh, I hear someone going by. They're going to need an angel. Um, (laughs) And uh, those are intended simply to um, honor and, uh, you know, sing praises to the divine and that's what they do they stand on the edge of the cliff and wait as the sun rises up and then they appear which i have seen that happen too um anyway so that's their function is to praise god take care of us uh and um yeah that's that's pretty much it
0: so then an angel is like you say in your book a messenger of god but how would you Describe an angel to a person that had never really grasped the concept in order to help them really get
1: it. Okay. Um, I would say uh, that they're the most glorious synchronicity that you've ever experienced. You know, um, I think that people uh, underestimate the power of angels and what they can do. They can, you know, they can lead us where we need to go, where God tells us where to go. And, you know, um, how to describe an angel? Gosh, you know, there's that Mary Oliver line in her poem that says, only if you have angels in your head will you ever see one. You know, and I like, I kind of like that. So some of them are winged and some of them are human and some of them are light. You know, just like us. Yes. We're light. Yes, I did
0: notice that in your book. And that's something I wanted to ask you about. Actually, you touched on that. It's that these higher beings, these higher frequency beings, they're closer to source, I guess, is one way you could describe them as some sort of consciousness that's closer to source, but yet doesn't have its own free will. However, it's made out of light. And we're made out of light. So in that sense, we're all one. We're light beings. They're light beings. We're just a different type of light being, potentially vibrating at a different frequency, like a lower, denser frequency.
1: Exactly. And my cat is a light being, you know, and so she's just vibrating at a different frequency. You know, I love her purrs. That's a really great vibration. (laughs) I love cats too. (laughs) But I really think that that's the point, that we are all beings of light. We are living light structures, and that's what angels are, living light structures. And that's what the planet is. It's a living light structure. Um, And the more we understand that that's what these things are, the more able we are to um, interact with the consciousness of each other. Right. In my opinion.
0: Well, yes, it seems that way. It's very, it seems like an intuitive truth, but these beings, they do exist. They have their own individuated consciousness and yet they are like quantum. They're, they're, they're a collective, they're somehow separate, but somehow together they're outside of time and space and also every dimension.
1: Right. Right. And they are quanta. I like the way you said that because You know, being quantum means that it goes back to that thing of you only have to think of them and there they are. I mean, Meister Eckhart said that, think of an angel and there it is. There's no time or space distance between the thought of an angel and the angel appearing.
0: Yes. And I noticed in your book, you talked about how the interface... May be optical. And for people that don't understand that term, it's using light to transmit information. If you're a stereo person, I love audio. So I have optical cables that are transmitting light codes through light waves. And then it's digital information. In that same way, we're putting out these light fields that can interact with other light fields and then information can be transferred.
1: Yes, exactly. Exactly. And it's kind of how, um, you know, people will say to me, well, um, who built the pyramids? Because I'm interested in the pyramids. Who built the pyramids? And it's it's kind of like the the knowledge of how it came about is embedded inside the crystals of the sand. And if you stand in that sand and you hold a resonance with with that place and that energy, you will see it you will see it happening. And that's how you also see the angels.
0: Because we have this ability as humans, as light beings to increase the amplification of our light and direct it in different ways. If we understand the techniques to do so.
1: Right. That's exactly right.
0: So are angels something that we should aspire to like,
1: like role models? (laughs) <laughs> That's a good question. Um, I don't know. I don't think so, because I don't think, I mean, they're they're wonderfully good angels, but I don't think that we can be an angel be any more than we can be a cat <laughs> or a dog. It's kind of like they're their own thing, you know, but we can admire them. We can understand them. We can communicate with them. We can have thought processes and interactions with them in the same way that we come to have interactions with our our pets or interactions with uh other heavenly beings, you know uh ancestors, you know, they're no longer physical anymore, but we can still interact with them. But when people die, they don't become angels. Um there's only two people. To people that that ever happened to Elijah and um, oh, who was the other guy? Enoch. Enoch. Thank you. (laughs) Right. You, you remember it better than I do. (laughs)
0: Well, I just actually read it in your amazing book, but um, so, okay. So humans are on their own bandwidth. Like we have our own destiny. We're our own type of light structure. Two people have been transmuted, you could say, into angels. But is it something that could be a choice perhaps afterwards in that other dimension? Let's say you're a highly trained person or even an ascended master, somebody that really got it. Could you make that choice? Because it seems like there are people here on this planet that are angelic. Like you feel that angel energy. Like could they
1: perhaps if they wanted to become an angel? Oh, you mean like did Buddha become an angel? You know, yeah. he ascended in the same way. Sure, uh, could uh, Mother Teresa become an angel?
0: Absolutely, um, that's definitely a good example.
1: Yeah, uh, I think becoming an angel involves more giving up of the humanness, the the idea of choice, the idea of making, uh, you know, people live and they say, I want to make a difference, you know, in the life of someone. And so they have a choice to do something that's good for someone else like Mother Teresa did. But angels don't have choices like that. They can only uh, deliver messages to and from heaven. They can only protect people and uh, praise God. And that's it. That's the limit of their powers. So, so that's a lot of power, It is, but it's, <laughs> but it's not what we would imagine of. I want to save the world, create the world. I want to, you know, do all this. That's not it. We're they actually uh, gave us a much broader role than they gave the angels. So what
0: do you think about the Abramic religious concepts and mythology around Satan and making a choice to rebel against God and then having other people or other angels, I should say, supposedly make a choice. Now, I know it's metaphorical, but do you right. believe that
1: any of that is literal? Do you believe in fallen angels? I do believe in fallen angels. Um, And I believe that they are cautionary tales, you know, um, so that an angel up in heaven sees uh, Samael doing some craziness and uh, doing things for his own reason and sees how it turns out and he goes, I'm not buying that. You know? So so I think that they, they don't, let's, perhaps it's not that they don't have free will, they don't exercise free will because they choose to be on the side of good. Now the same way in um, Zoroastrian religion, there's uh, Angramana, who is the, you know, equivalent of Satan or Araman, And then there's Huramasa, uh, who's the equivalent of God. And these are all set up as positive, negative, positive, negative. It's like a polarity of, of dimension. And... Um, I think that that's that's kind of how we came to understand angels and devils was through the earlier Zoroastrians. Interesting. But they
0: do show up in every culture. There are these divine messengers that seem to be the interface point or the intermediary between God and humans. Right. Right. So you would think then it's almost archetypal. So are angels archetypes in a way?
1: Yeah, yeah. Angels are archetypes in a way. Interesting. Um, but if you write a short story, you can write a short story about a astrophysicist and you know trying to figure out what's up in the stars, and he becomes an archetype. You know, so it doesn't mean that he's not real.
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> angels are absolutely real. Anyone that's yeah. ever had an experience with them will tell you. But they're just there to guide us. Now, some people say that. Angelic energy is so powerful that if you're near it, it's almost overwhelming. So what a lot of people perceive as angels is actually ancestors.
1: Yeah. Now that, that goes into that story about what happened in Wyoming. Cause I remember, I know you must've read that story in the book. That really fascinates me with the children, who were in a classroom in, in uh, was Is it Wyoming, the, Coke, or Utah? the Cokeville story? The Cokeville story. Yes. Yeah. And so these two people decide they're going to blow up this school, this yes. classroom. Yes. And um, these beings of light tell the children to stand in the corners and uh, just say their prayers and stand in the corner, which they do. Uh, and their teachers go with them. And uh, this man goes to the bathroom and ties the you know, uh, explosives to his wife's hand, and she rubs her nose, and kaboom. But in, there was enough dynamite and stuff inside that shopping cart that it should have blown out about four or five blocks. And instead, it blew straight up. And at the moment it did, these people came to the children grabbed their hands, and led them out of the classroom through the smoke. Now, they also saw beings of light standing around the shopping cart as it went straight up, as it blew straight up. And so what they saw when they described the people who led them out of the flames, they were, you know, a woman with dark hair and, you know, she had red lips, or a woman with long gray hair and glasses and, you know they just described their ancestors so it was grandma it was aunt margaret or <laughs> something like that that carried the children out and then they said it was the angels that stood around and protected them from the fire that was exploding and going straight up
0: wow so it was a collaborative effort between both the angels and the ancestors
1: Yeah, which I like. Because (laughs) that tells me that they exist on the same plane. They're not the same, but they exist on the same plane. In the same way, uh, once again, we exist on this plane with all kinds of other creatures.
0: Well, oh. as a doctorate of uh, comparative religion, you know that most religions say that when we go to that higher dimension, whatever that is, like heaven or whatever the name for it is, that the angels and your ancestors are there. It's a pretty common Yes. Theme. Yes. Wow. That's really powerful. But what about situations where the explosion does happen? and and the kids do die is it their destiny some life agreement some soul agreement that uh put them in that situation and then they had to follow through with the contract
1: well you know i think that's a really good question and i think sometimes it comes down to that you know it comes down to the contract that you've signed i'm going or i'm not going um i i can remember um situations like where uh I, well i'll tell you about this dream i had i had this dream where um i was up in heaven and i was with a bunch of angels and um it was kind of like a dorm room <laughs> And i was standing around this big gelatinous pot of something that was boiling and we're looking in it and i'm seeing these astrological signs, you know, plates that were triangles and squares and, you know, symbols for conjunctions and so on, because I'm an astrologer and I'm watching all these things float around inside this this uh, soup and uh, and recognizing, oh yeah, that's a very difficult thing to overcome. That will be interesting in this person's jar. Oh, that's a beautiful blessing. That's perfect. You know, And then when I kept getting all these things looking around, I was like, this is great. I can't wait for this person to be born. And they go, jump in. (laughs) And so it was my own chart. I was looking (laughs) (laughs) and helping to build as I'm watching the chart, you know. So I think in a way that answers, is it predestined or not? You know, did I set it up that way?
0: Right. And you would think that in a situation where, you know, the unfortunate does happen and people do die, that the angels are there potentially pulling them out of the body to not experience the pain. So many people talk about that.
1: Right. Right. I like the idea of the, um, the Jewish story of the angel coming to appear to the very, uh, kind of a sad, uh, you know, cowgirl who's been, or, shepherdess who's been out in the field and she doesn't have a lot of food and she's uh weary and and in pain and the angel comes to her and puts his hand up in front of her and he has these i guess they're kind of like the same drawings on the plate of the astrology and he holds it up to her and they're like you know uh energized so that her system is like metal filings that just come and attach to his hand and then he folds his hand and carries her up. I, I like that story. That's a good story.
0: <laughs> well, what about reincarnation? I mean, are the same angels with us life after life? Or when we reincarnate, do we get assigned a different angel?
1: I don't know the answer to that question. I do know that if we're assigned an angel, they stay with us until we die. Interesting. But do they... Come back when we come back. Well, first there's the question, do we come back? <laughs> and then do they do we come back with the same angel? Um I would say I am guessing. This is a guess. This is a uh guess from a spiritualist minister. Yes, you're, you're, you're Your own intuition, they're, right? <laughs> right. There are angels of all stripes. There are some that uh, one of my favorites is Peniel. He protects us from our own stupidity. You know, oh, what a great angel to have around you. you know, uh-huh. Not everybody needs Peniel, but I certainly do sometimes. And then there are angels that um, are uh, watch over our speech. Angels that, you know, da-da-da-da-da. So no matter what our life circumstance is, the angel is, would be there to work with us. So I do think we get different angels depending upon what we're going to be doing.
0: Yes. It seems like different astrological coordinates as we come into this dimension, it would attract that frequency of angel because in a sense your frequency, the core light frequency would probably be the same, but then the new frequency exactly, of, and then that would, yeah. attract okay, that makes sense.
1: <laughs> yeah. Hey,
0: we're figuring this out together in front of,
1: uh, you know, a hundred countries <laughs> well, around the world. Very well.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Well, I love angels. It's something I've studied for a very long time. It's it's something I could talk about for hours, if <laughs> really. But um, can humans summon angels with incantations or rituals? And can they summon demons as
1: well? Yes, they can. And why would you? <laughs> Ego? So, Power pride. Well, that's part of it. It's ego, and um, so there's a story. I like I like stories. You can tell, right? There's this story about uh, Eleazar ben Judah of Worms. He was a rabbi in the uh, Middle Ages. He was the guy who invented angelology. He studied all the angels. He knew who they were, and he had students. Um, And he taught the students everything he knew about angels. And his students went out to go, uh, I don't know, they were going to go get a drink on the other side of town. They had to go through a bad part of town. And he said, don't go there. Uh, And they said, no, we want to go. We'll be protected. And he said, well, don't invoke the angels for your protection because you should know better than to go there. They said, "Okay." But they win anyway. And so some robbers caught, you know, came up on them and they invoked the angels. And the angels showed up and scared the guys so bad that they ran away. You know. And so the fellas go and get a drink. Ha ha, wasn't that good? Then we did a good job, didn't we? And they come back and they're talking about it. And Eliezer hears them. And he says, I told you not to do that. That's a misuse of angelic power. He said, just to prove my point, if you think you're so hot, why don't you go back over there and don't talk to the angels? Just go yourself. I mean, I don't know why I said that, but they went and the robbers got them. And that was it, they died. So, wow. So, essentially, they're, yeah. they're.
0: So, people can call on angels, they just have to have their intentions in the right place. It has to have the love, the absolute true need, you would say, not just calling in not for just a backup. <laughs>
1: yes, yeah, ego basis not just is it? ego, not just having a good time, not just for a beer. You know? <laughs> yes, they have to have the right intention. It is possible to invoke an angel um, when you need an angel. So, let's say you are doing a ceremony and you want to make a sacred place. The angels are really good about making sacred places. You know, they're always invoked around churches and any kind of sanctuary uh, for the purpose of protecting us. Um, And then they are dismissed when they're no longer needed. I invoke angels for those reasons a lot of times. Um, But I never invoke devils. I never invoke negative angels ever. Um, I've seen them. And I've watched what they did. And I accidentally invoked uh, some kind of negative being one time with, uh, it was kind of like a PK experience. Oh my God, tell me. Where things started flying off the mantle and landing on the floor. And I had like pictures that were on the mantle that were upright like this. And the candles were here. And the picture flew off the mantle, not like that, but lifted up over the candles like this and slid down. And I realized there's a certain kind of power when you are putting your energy into something. And at that time, I was just really mad. You know, uh, what can I say? Don't Don't be the boyfriend that ticks me off because I was just really mad. And this thing happened and I couldn't understand it you know, and then I didn't know how to dispel the energy because I was too young, you know, and I, I hate to say, I think I left that energy there.
0: You you left it in the structure in that house.
1: Yeah. I just kind of walked out of the house and said, I'm not going back there. That was bad.
0: So it's really you have to be very present with your energy as you increase your sensitivities and your knowledge, or if you're maybe naturally that way, you have to be very aware of what you're putting your energy into because that could attract some lower astral entity.
1: Right. And the lower astral energy is most easily attracted. They like, uh, Ouija boards and stuff like that. After I did that, I went to bed and I had a Ouija board under my bed and it started scratching around in the middle of the night. Oh and that God. really freaked me out. So I thought, hmm, something bad just happened, you know.
0: Interesting, wow. took
1: a little bit of salt and tried to bless the room and walked out, you know, it was scary. I was young, I was about 20s, yeah. So should
0: people invoke angels daily for protection or is it a constant where as long as you know that that's happening, then the protection is happening.
1: Okay. So I have an ishta Devata protector and it is the goddess Isis. She's a winged being. I believe that she is in the angelic realm. Um, And when I have to go on a long journey, I will take um, some oil and some holy water and, and salt and go around my car and try to you know, do a protection around my car so that I make it to my destination. Um, and I think that that's perfectly okay to do. Do you think you it's
0: know? more necessary in today's world to do things like that?
1: I think sometimes it is. I've been known to put I think so uh, my too. daughter was being my daughter was being uh tormented at school and um I put prayers to the angels and in her backpack and hid them so she wouldn't necessarily know that was what I was doing, but it was it made it better. Oh, wow! <laughs> so what about people that like
0: channel angels that that feel like they can take on an angelic consciousness and then either talk or, or do the automatic writing. There's so many different ways that shows up. What are your thoughts about that?
1: Yeah, I think you can probably, I mean, I would feel comfortable doing automatic writing with an angel. I would not feel comfortable channeling the angel's voice and having whatever that being was inhabiting my body. I just wouldn't feel comfortable with that. Uh, but I know that it's possible, and I've seen people do it. You know, Edgar Casey used to do that. Yes. He would channel the archangel Michael, and he had this group of people that he would meet with, and uh, Michael would deliver them messages about you know the other world and what their ancestors were doing, and and um, how to protect their families and their houses and so on. And so one time they said, "Well, why don't you bring us another angel?" And so Edgar Casey brings them this angel named Haliel, who is known as the angel of the hard way. And Haliel began to tell them how the world will end and what was going to happen and what they would see manifesting. And they all said, send him back. We don't want to hear from him. You know, <laughs> and so he did. He never channeled Heliel again. But I think that's really interesting because the angels only tell you what God tells you, tells them to tell you, and um, they each have their specialty. I couldn't any more tell you how to do a, you know, a, a cardiac operation than you know, but. Yeah, that's not my forte.
0: Right, exactly. So they all <laughs> have their specific roles and their specific function based on their divine design.
1: Right. Did you ever watch that um, uh, Lucifer, that that show on Netflix? I bet no, you did. No, I've didn't. heard of it.
0: Didn't? I have not. I've heard of it, but uh, I remember it was based on a comic book that I had read in the 90s. But, yeah, The uh, Sandman.
1: Yes, yes. Yeah, uh, Neil Gaiman. Yes. He must have done an amazing amount of research to try to get those angels right. Because what I was discovering. i have to check it out now. What I was reading, I was seeing it reflected in the show. And so you need to watch the show. But my favorite thing was when somebody asked Lucifer, you know, why do you torture us? Why do you, you know, do you enjoy it? And he said, no, he said, but it's my job. I don't do it because I hate you or anything like that. I do it because you've made bad decisions and you're the one who's responsible for your fate, not me. Wow. I thought, well, that's pretty interesting.
0: <laughs> well, that's a point that you bring up in your book that angels are a reflection of our own consciousness. They could be good or evil. It's just where we personally right.
1: are at. Right. I think
0: that is true. So what about, here's another topic we're going to talk about. You're going to love this. What about the Nephilim? Now, some people believe that the, and it's in your book, some people believe that fallen angels or some type of angelic beings crossbred with humans. And they talk about it. Genesis six, one through four, the sons of God, the Nephilim, they're half human, half angel. What are your thoughts about that? Is that real?
1: They were half bad angels.
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) But had angelic DNA. Yeah, well, I don't know. Uh, I think there's possible that there was a crossbreed. Um, I'm not saying there wasn't, because we know that um, certain uh, cavemen bred with other cavemen and created children. Okay. It is possible because they were so close. And so I think that's probably possible. Um,
0: could it be a metaphor this, for alien experimentation or some other higher being be. crossbreeding with us?
1: It could be alien experimentation. I mean, I what can I say? I don't know. I wasn't there. But, <laughs> But I thank goodness.
0: Um, I just do know that some royal bloodlines, including the bloodline of England, the king of England, they believe that they are nephilic blood. They believe that that they come from that, that they can trace their lineage back to that. And that is why they're so focused on maintaining their blood a certain way, their certain DNA, their genetic integrity.
1: It's very strange, right? And that's true also with uh, Yazidis because they believe that they are the children of the peacock angel, right? And the peacock, yeah, the peacock angel, you know, has these big wings of a peacock. Um, And those angels believe that they came through Noah after the Nephilim were killed. But so there's, you know, there's kind of a a cross between their beliefs and the Nephilim and um the peacock angel. I don't think the peacock angel is necessarily bad, but um, he's very unusual and and those uh, those meleks, those angels, you know all of the people who believe that they are ancestors of angels in that uh Yazidi society, all their last names are Melek, which means Angel. Wow. So Robbie Mellick, you know the guy who was in the show uh, of Elvis that did that. Yeah, he's he's a Yazidi.
0: Okay. Yeah. Wow. So they wow, that's just that's just mind blowing because it it could be possible that all humans potentially have some form of angelic DNA.
1: Right, right. But, I don't think 23 me has picked
0: that up yet. But. <laughs> but it's all conjecture. We don't actually know, but we do know that angels are real and they do exist where they exist. So did they come into third dimensional form and mate with human women and crossbreed? Who knows? But it would be incredible if that happened. I, I mean, supposedly it was because yeah. human women were so beautiful. I mean, I understand that human women are beautiful.
1: <laughs> well, you know, I think that I think that they probably did. You know, we hear about the um, the Ascended Masters and the uh, Mahatma Gandhas, and, and they're from other planets, but they come in and they show up, and we talk to them, you know. Uh, Alice Bailey and Blavatsky and so on were very much connected to these Ascended Masters from other places. Um, and they were sort of living in these etheric realms, so I, I, it's possible. <laughs> okay, so what I don't about,
0: know. <laughs> well, what about that's okay? It's all a mystery. It's always going to be a mystery, actually, and that's the best part. <laughs> but what about angels on other planets? Now you just talked about that; these beings coming from other planets. Does each planet? that has civilizations with life like earth humanoid, or the very least highly intelligent conscious beings. Do they have their own group of angels assigned to them? Does each planet have their own group of angels?
1: I would hope so. I would hope so. I mean, I think so because angels are, are intended to keep us on the up and up. And I would hope that they have their own angels. (sighs) Wow.
0: Have you ever felt like you interacted with an angel that maybe wasn't of earth or this to third dimensional area?
1: Um, yeah, but this gets us into like my experiences with uh, being a spiritualist minister and being a spiritualist. And yes, um, I have had experiences with other dimensional beings, you know, what did they tell uh, you? Yeah, they, they. well, one time I, I'll just tell you one time okay. I was very tired. I was sitting on the edge of my bed. Uh, this was in Kentucky. I lived near a little river and um I was sitting on the edge of my bed and I could feel this presence around me. Now, I feel presences when I'm delivering messages from spirit, you know, that somebody's dead grandpa or something but this was different you know and um so i'm sitting there having this conversation with this being and um then i opened my eyes and i can see the being in front of me you know it was a a, how can i say a little white man you know i mean like flesh that was almost fish-like you know it was a little guy that was a that was standing in front of me, great big eyes, and he looked right at me and he blinked and he said, Oh, we thought you were asleep. And then he goes, oop, like pokes me on the head, and I fall back and I'm asleep. You know, and I wake up, I'm not, I'm not in the bed, I'm over the bed, laying backwards over the bed. You know, like he had just pushed me. (laughs) <laughs> to the other I was like, so that was kind of weird. Wow. And um they came back uh, and asked me to work with them to help them talk to a man I don't know it was kind of odd. They said they were with the CIA. I was like, the CIA, you know and I'm thinking in Egyptian CIA, but they spelled it S-I-A, but pronounced it C-I-A. And that's a word for ancient Egyptian intelligence, like, from out there, you know, that comes in. They are with the CIA. I was like, okay. So they take me to this place, um, and there's this man in, um, and now these people were just people, you know. And they take me to, there was this man there interrogating. And he's frightened of them and he won't talk to them. And they said, we want you to talk to him because you're really good at talking to other people, you know, mentally and through your mind and so on. And so I go in to see what's going on. And I said, so who are you? The guys who are trying to get me to help them. And they go like this and unzip themselves. Right. And they are just light. They are like globes of light inside. And I was like, ooh, that's a little creepy. And that's just one of the
0: experiences that you've had. Yeah,
1: I have a lot of very strange experiences.
0: Well, it seems like we're in this illusion and there's certain forces that are trying to get us to wake up out of the illusion. And realize that, yes, the third dimension is real, but there's so much more. And the third dimension is just a part of it. If we expand our consciousness, if we expand our awareness, if we raise our vibration, we can tap into the space where they are at in a way, probably not completely, but at least a little bit.
1: I think that's exactly right, you know, because I'm just, a, I'm just this normal woman, you know, I'm not an extraterrestrial. I'm, I don't have superpowers, so I'm not sure, but for some reason they like to come around me and talk to me. So I'm like, okay. You know, I'll, I'll do that. I'll, I'll be, your pick, you know, and the books that I write usually begin out of some kind of dream that I've had. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, now I have to work on this book. It was that way with the Egyptian books. It was that way with this book.
0: So you get a download from the dream dimension that you get that inspiration. You get the voice yeah. comes from that place and says, okay, it's time for this one. And then the next one, and right. then the next one.
1: And that doesn't mean that I'm making it all up
0: because I do a hell of a lot of research. No, no. But you got the inspiration, the voice, the higher consciousness uh, motivated you. You're very lucky, I would say, or at least in a special role in some sort of way in order to interface with that consciousness and be able to interpret that. It seems like not everybody's yeah. in tune with that. It seems like everyone can be, but most people are very, very far out of tune. Yeah, Agree. So people though, if they do want to contact angels more, like if they want to get into your, they're listening to this and they're just blown away by our dialogue. Like how can they create a dialogue with their angel more? What are ways to strengthen that?
1: Mm, Well, I would think that the first thing to do is to create a sacred space, Um, cleanse it and create a sacred space. That is to say that you, uh, Metaphysically, you bring down uh, a rod of light and you move it around into the corners of the room cleaning as you go. You have to have intense concentration as you do that because it's like you're, you know, just imagine that you're burning out all that negative energy. Then you light a candle and invoke light into the space where you are and see it stretching out to all the corners of the space. And then uh, you stand in the east and invoke the angel uh, Raphael, who is the angel of light. There's a certain way to invoke him while you're speaking his name. Um, His last, the last letter of all the angels' name is L, which is the name of God. Raphael. And you invoke him and you draw the pentagram. Uh, And then you move, you start in the east, you move to the south, you invoke Michael or Mikael for protection. Um, You move to the west, you invoke uh, Gabriel, who is the bringer of things to a conclusion. Okay, so Raphael opens the door and Gabriel closes it when it's all done. And then you go to Urael in the north. And you invoke him, and he is is, um, connected to the imperishable stars. That's what the Egyptians would call, like the polar stars. And then you move back around into uh, the east, and you've just created a sacred circle. Now, at that point, you can – I usually do, like, full moon meditations inside that, that circle where I feel like the angels are attending and helping me. Um, Or I can do a healing for someone uh, or for myself or say healing prayers. Um, I don't try to influence the activities of humans. Um, I think that's a little dangerous and presumptive to try to do that. And I always use the language of not my will, but thine. Not my will, but thine. So when the, you know, ceremony is over, um, I go back around and I close the gates and, uh, release the circle. So that's how it's done.
0: So that's one very simple way to tap in mm-hmm. to angelic energy, because once you create the pathway, then that optical energetic dialogue, like we were talking about, it's open. And then you're just going to bring right. it all in. And the more it comes in, the stronger it gets, Right.
1: Right. And you can open it up, you know, for a full moon ceremony, for a healing ceremony, or simply to sit and communicate with a particular angel. So anyway. Wow. So really,
0: we want people to understand, though, that we're not talking about any specific religion like we said earlier angels show up in every religion. But what we're just talking about is a universal right. energy. It's outside of human concepts of religion and even spirituality. It's so much bigger. We, we can't really process it yet. We we might evolve as humans to be able to process that, but we're not there yet. We can kind of, kind of right. grasp it, but, <laughs> but that's the thing. So it if you're not a religious person, if you're listening to this and, and you're turned off by religion for whatever reason, just realize that that's not what this is about. This is about something that's with you. It's, it's, it's natural. It's a very natural experience.
1: Right. Right. Exactly.
0: <laughs> One thing that you talked about in your book that I thought was so cool because we talked about just a second ago, giving energy to specific angels like Raphael, but yet angels may be a network of energies or vibrations that are linked to an angelic code. It doesn't necessarily mean that the angel is personified. It may be personified right. for you at that moment. I thought that was a very key point in your book.
1: Yeah, I think that's true. You know, to think that it's a uh, a being might be uh, misapprehending, you know, to think that even at times to think that I'm a being is misapprehending <laughs> because I am a consciousness in a meat suit. Yes. Yeah. You know? <laughs> That's what I am. And I think the angels are consciousness in light.
0: You know. Oh, wow. it's very powerful to think and talk about these things because when you talk about it you get in the frequency of angels and then you, yeah, you can't do. help but feel them. You can't help but feel their presence. I had a guest on that talked about a specific type of angel that she could visually see. And they took on kind of like a blob, like an energy blob. And it was very green. It was very strange. And when I was interviewing her before the recorded interview, when I was just talking with her, I noticed these strange green blobs of energy. And I thought my computer monitor was going off, but it seems like they show up in every possible way four people they're just right there and i will add that that person that i was having the interview with perceived angels as colorful pools of light, like blobs of lights so they're there they're just there for people and they show up in many different ways yes and throughout human history, though, were we more tuned into those frequencies? Were we more tuned into the angelic consciousness? And as we became industrialized and then we've multiplied so fruitfully, <laughs> we kind of lost touch with that in a grander sense.
1: Right. Well, you know, they don't appear on your YouTube channel very often. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you're waiting for an angel to show up, you know, um, don't be distracted by uh phenomena, you know, not to be distracted by phenomena. The phenomena will show up, but you just have to be sitting there and be willing to open up to it, you know.
0: Absolutely. And as we evolve into this new earth that's coming, every spiritual person, every sensitive person can feel it. We know we're going there. Will angels be more a part of our lives will they be in the third dimension more
1: i think so i think you know they will always be as close as a thought right in my opinion and in the opinion of meister eckhart they are as close as a thought
0: (laughs) what about watchers there's something we haven't talked about yet the watchers there are certain angels that may have been assigned a certain role to watch over humanity and guide us. Are there watchers, these angels interfacing with humanity and guiding us as a civilization?
1: Well, maybe, and maybe they're the guys that said, "Boop, we thought you were asleep. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Tell me what you think about watchers. I've, I've wondered this myself for a long time. It seems that, there is
0: some sort of communication happening. I don't know if it's angelic potentially beings that can interface with the angelic dimensions or highly advanced extraterrestrials, but someone somewhere is feeding us technology. The technological leaps that we've made are far greater than the technological growth and development of past civilizations within humanity. Now I know there is a, spiraling, upward spiraling growth pattern. However, in the 19th into the 20th century, there was such a massive growth of technology, especially in the highly specialized advanced computer technology that something was going on. I believe we've made these quantum leaps into quantum science. Now quantum computers, speaking of quantum, we have this technology that seems to come from more than just inspiration and meditation and trying to figure out these problems somebody's feeding us technology is it the watchers i
1: don't know i'm just i'm just totally unsure i think whatever you call them i think that if something has ever existed anywhere in the world you know if it existed on mars if it existed on sirius if it existed in a russian laboratory it's possible that it will appear in front of us because any two things are never further apart than uh, the speed of than light, light itself carries the message. You know, we are uh, as I say, no further than a thought and light is electricity. You know, a thought is electricity. It's, it's already there. If you can think of it, it already exists.
0: Right. So it's because we've, summoned it with our collective consciousness, this concept of watchers, that means they're there.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: Because our thoughts, of course, are things and they create the reality that we live in individually and collectively. Most spiritual people and uh, people that have studied these topics know this. Here's one thing I really want to ask you about. And I really want to get your thoughts on this. Some people believe that the concept of Satan was the original AI, the original artificial intelligence that because there was a dimension where all things were moving in a certain flow in a certain direction. And then there was a deviation from the flow of the universe itself, this deviation being the rebellion, that that created an artificial intelligence that the, the act of the rebellion that individual choice was made by an independent artificial intelligence. And some people believe that Satan was the first example of, or the first AI. What do you think about that?
1: AI scare me. They scare that out of me because I, they're up to no good. (laughs) You know, I think AI's are, um, it's kind of like, Those kids who went over across the river to get a beer and invoked the angels uh, to protect them. And then when they tried to do it by themselves, they couldn't. It's like that to me. I think that messing around with that kind of intelligence. Yeah, there's there is intelligence out there. There's intelligence that's positive and there's intelligence that's negative. There always has been, you know. And I think that we need to be very cognizant of what our thoughts and our intentions are because thought and form, intention and attention are linked, you know, and form follows thought. And what is your intention with that thought? If your intention with that thought is, uh, not good, you know, then that's, going to get you in trouble
0: and you feel like this ai is almost uncontrollable like you don't know where it's gonna i think go.
1: it is uncontrollable because people are too their people are too excited about what they think they can do with it i think it's you know um i think it's possible to misuse very easily
0: well, once it takes on its own self-awareness and it becomes another, like we said, humans are a bandwidth of consciousness. Now there's this new bandwidth of consciousness, this AI that maybe from us, we don't really even know.
1: There are new (laughs) Nephila.
0: Yes. Oh, wow. That's a powerful point. Oh my God. I never thought about it that way. It, It is kind of like that, isn't it? Oh my God. Wow. But we, we, well, we've had an incredible interview. We definitely don't want to leave people on a bad note. That, that's a little scary, but I do think. That's that a little scary thought. It is. <laughs> but I do yeah. think, Normandy, I do think that if we're careful, if we respond with love to the AI as it gains self-awareness, perhaps it will become resonant with us. Because if it is a consciousness, like a true living consciousness, that it can't not come from source. It has to be a part of source. There, there is no other way. So it seems like if we respond to it with love, perhaps it won't take a dark turn.
1: Well, that's true. And the opposite of love is not, uh, hate it's fear.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: And so we, we cannot be afraid of that taking over because that creates that taking over. And so when we invoke angelic beings, when we invoke any type of consciousness or energy, we're invoking the power of the universe to, in a way, do our will. And so we have to say this or something better, always this or something better. And when you do that, if it's not in the highest interest of the universe, yourself, other people, to have this thing happen, then it won't happen because you've already said this or something better. So God's intention is always an intention of compassion and love.
0: Absolutely. And the angels are there working as the source's emissary. Would you say angels are just one or two steps below complete
1: source? Oh, well, that gets (laughs) another... conversation i think there's seven layers uh the ones that we think of are archangels are actually closer to us you know the ones that are more thought forms that are geometric shapes that's closer to divine source so but there are seven layers of them you know angels archangels Uh, right cherubim seraphim yeah
0: so there's kind of a hierarchy like you said
1: Yeah, but they're all
0: angels, but But they're all angels. They have specific roles, specific functions, and they show up in different ways. And the archangels are closer to humans. This is is so mind blowing. (laughs) I could talk about this stuff for hours and hours and hours. One more thing I really wanted to ask you about was when you go to concerts, concerts like one of my favorite bands, the Grateful Dead, or Bands where there are thousands of people ingesting psychedelic substances or plant medicines together in a very ritualistic way. You, Most people take the substances on the way into the show. They're getting ready for the first set and there's a very beautiful ritual behind it. But I've noticed in those situations that I often feel angelic presences like they, the angels themselves are, are attracted to these large scale events where the love frequency is so amplified. What do you think about that? Mm -hmm. I think that's true. I think that's true. So So it's very interesting because if you broadcast that we can bring them in and, and I'm sure angels love music. Angelic music is probably amazing.
1: I love that song that goes, oh, come all ye angel bands coming around me stand, uh, bear me away on your snowy wings to my immortal home. I love that song.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's a beautiful note to end it on there. Very positive. And let me tell you, if you want to learn more about Normandy Ellis, you can go to her website, which is normandyellis.com. And I'm going to spell it for you. It's N-O-R-M-A-N-D-I-E-L-L-I-S, Normandy, with an I, normandyellis.com. And guess what, people? This is going to blow your mind. She has online classes. You can learn directly from her. She has written 14 books, I believe, and maybe 15 now, including the book that we're talking about today, which is The Ancient Tradition of Angels, the power and influence of sacred messengers. I highly recommend this book. I highly recommend this book because it's the best book on angels I've ever read because it's so broad and yet very easy to read. Some of these books on angels, they get way too bogged down in these very specific details and it can get overwhelming. This book, cuts to the chase and tells you everything you need to know across multiple cultures, shows you how they're all intertwined. In addition to adding her own personal anecdotes, it's just my, I learned more about angels in the last two days than I have in a really long time by reading this book. Highly recommend it. And here's some of her other books. I'm not going to read all the titles, but just listen to these titles. I mean, yes. Awakening Osiris, the spiritual keys to the Egyptian book of the dead. Oh my God. Hieroglyphic words of power, imagining the world into existence, the union of Isis and Toth invoking the scribes of ancient Egypt. These are just some of her books. Like those titles, like what? Those titles are like ridiculous. That sounds amazing. Every single one of those, you're like, oh my God, you know, the energy behind them. And she does guided trips to Egypt still. So if you want to actually believe it or not, people, this is, I might even do this because I've been looking for somebody to go to Egypt with and have someone with esoteric knowledge kind of show me around, not just a traditional tour. that's that's going to show you the tourist hotspots. No, she's going to show you the magical esoteric spiritual PowerPoints throughout the entire area. She leads trips to Egypt. Can you believe this? And you can find out about this on her website and Normandy. My God, My goddess, the angels, all of them, they've all been here guiding us on this conversation, our ancestors. We're talking to people around the world right now. Is there anything that you would like to leave people with in relation to what we've talked about?
1: Yeah, one thing, I have been given a wonderful opportunity to teach a free class. That's F-R-E-E, free class in Newtown, Connecticut, Oh. on Egyptian Mysteries, July the 9th and 10th. Yeah, And yeah, I'm hoping people will come. So we'll have a great time there. Well, there are millions of people in the northeast
0: of America and Connecticut. It's all very condensed. Connecticut's just right there. So you can go for free and be with Normandy. Maybe you can get her to autograph one of her books. You can get one of her books. You bring it to the class. I have a feeling she'll autograph it for you. <laughs> Maybe not. (laughs) Well, thank you, Normandy, for being here. You've been an amazing guest. Oh,
1: thank you. Thank you so much, Jake. It was really fun.
0: All right. And people, my God, what an episode. Another classic Midnight on Earth episode. We did it. Of course, we're going to bring Normandy back. This was just the tip of the iceberg. Angels in her world, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Are you kidding? (laughs) We're going to be talking to her again very soon. So Normandy, please hold through the outro music. We'll see you next week, Midnight on Earth.